Welcome to Tigers in 20, a Go Tigers 247 audio podcast. Your one-stop shop for all things University of Memphis Tigers athletics. Here are your hosts, founder of Go Tigers 247, Brooks Hansen, and lead writer for Go Tigers 247, Christian Fowler. What's up, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode. I'm your host, Christian Fowler, and joining me is my man, Go Tigers 247 digital content producer, Kenny Stubblefield. Kenny, it feels like we're doing this more and more often, man. Brooks can't stay healthy. Listen, um, I called Brooks today, and I said, hey, man, are y'all recording tonight? And he was like, <laughs> He couldn't even, I mean, he can't talk for like 10 minutes without, you know, hacking up a lung. So um, it's what happens if there are, are, some of our listeners out there don't have kids. Um, one of the joys of having kids is when they go to school, um, they are surrounded by funk all the time. And when those kids get the funk, they bring it to the home. And Brooks and the the whole Hanson family have been uh, pretty much ransacked by the crud this whole entire winter. So, yeah, Brooks is down and out one more time. Yeah, every time Brooks gets sick, he calls the kids human Petri dishes. So that's that's about all you need to know. Anyway, with that being said, the show must go on. And, Kenny, unfortunately, we are back talking about a loss. Memphis lost on the road against SMU on Tuesday night. It was an ugly game. It's it's kind of what the prototypical Memphis road game has looked like all year, especially within the conference. Uh, they come out, they play really good defense as they do in almost every game, and then the offense suffers. The offense was really, really bad against SMU. I think the biggest reason was obviously Preston Chiwa only playing 19 minutes. In those 19 minutes, put up 17 points and seven rebounds. He really played an incredible game. Uh, you could tell that the uh, the calls got to him. He, he ended the game with four fouls, and there was definitely some questionable calls in there. Uh, they obviously aggravated him, but he still performed very well. I think I, if you look at it and he's on the floor for more minutes, could Memphis win the game? Yes, but that wasn't the case, and Memphis lost. So this is kind of what we've become accustomed to this season. Uh, big wins, big losses. It just kind of goes back and forth. So, uh, Kenny... You weren't on the sidelines last night, and I know when you're on the sidelines uh, taking pictures during games, it's hard for you to see and break down the games. So on road games, you're a more credible source because you can watch everything. What did you see uh, Tuesday night in Memphis's loss to SMU? Yeah, I mean, I think you, you skipped over it pretty quickly, but um, and I'm listen. I will not be. I'm enough of a basketball guy to to know that. There's so many nuances and things that happen during the games uh, to, that you cannot blame certain calls and, and things like that for uh, losses. You can't blame the refs. It's it's you know unless it's like a bang bang play at the end where it's an obvious blocker charge call or something like that, and they don't call it, then then there's blame that can go there. But um, you know the the precious fouls were just super frustrating because. Um, you know, Precious came out and was super aggressive. Um, he attacked the rim consistently. It was very, very qu- clear very quickly that they really didn't have um, a player on SMU's team that could actually handle him, which has kind of been the the, the trend throughout the entire year. Um, those calls, man, some of those calls that were super suspect were they were just they just killed momentum in every way. I mean, especially um, when you saw it happen at the at the beginning of the second half. You know, it was just really rough. Um, they fought back and got within two um, after being down by 12, I think it was, at halftime. And, yeah, man, it was just a 
it, it was tough. It was a tough game. Um, you know, uh, you know, Precious when he was in there, obviously was uh, contributed. Um, but I think exactly what you said a few minutes ago, kind of how this season has been and the the kind of the ups and downs and the emotional roller coaster that has been this season. We you know we on a high after the Houston game and then just man, yesterday was just rough. <laughs> yeah, like I mean. We both pointed to it now. It's it's the roller coaster season. Uh, when something's going good, expect bad, and when things are going bad, expect good. And that that's kind of how it's been. And me and Brooks pointed out last week. It just is what it is at this point. Uh, there's really <laughs> there's really no telling what's going to happen. Uh, it's it's kind of a game to game thing. This team could come out, show up, and play an incredible game, or they could have trouble on one end of the floor. And it's just really it's it's been what it's been. But going back to the game a little bit, you pointed out the officiating. And I tweeted this out after the game. The officiating was horrible. I mean, we just have to call it. I mean, it is what it is. There, let's let's call let's call a spade a spade. The officiating was horrible in that game. I mean, there's been multiple games this season where officiating is questionable, but I think so far that's probably the worst one that that I've seen this season in a Memphis game. But regardless of the officiating, like you pointed to, can officials win and lose a game in certain scenarios? Yes. Is that typically the case even when there are terrible calls throughout a game? Not necessarily. And when you look at what Memphis did, 21 turnovers, they went back to their old ways, especially when you look at the Houston game on Saturday against a very good defensive team, even though it's at home to only turn the ball over eight times, looked like they had turned something around there and really figured out their flow and chemistry on the offensive end of the floor. Then they go on the road Tuesday night, 21 turnovers. You just can't, it's hard. It's very, very hard to win any basketball game on any level when you turn the ball over 21 times. It's difficult. You have no offensive flow. You give an, you give the other team extra possessions. I think uh, SMU had somewhere between 17 and 22 points off of turnovers, which is a ton. Um, Memphis did a lot of good things, but I think that's really what sunk them. I mean, you can look at some of the calls. The goaltending was bad. I know the goaltending was terrible. The flagrant was bad. The fourth foul on Precious was bad. There was bad calls, but that's that's every basketball game. There's always going to be bad calls. If you don't turn the ball over 21 times, though, you could win that game. So, I mean, it's it, it, we're going to keep going back to it's It's the theme of the season. It is what it is. This team can can look like world beaters in one game, turn the ball over eight times, beat a top 25 team by one point, albeit at home, and then come back in the next game and lose a road game. Not to say SMU is not a good team. They're 14-1 and one at home for a reason. They're the same conference record as Memphis going into the game. It was a tough game. Everyone knew that was going to be a difficult battle for Memphis, uh, but they just did not show up. I mean, that's a game that they knew they had to have. SMU came out, wanted it more. Uh, even when Memphis's defense is, is, you know, allowing no field goals for four and five minutes, the offense can't keep it going. And, uh, I mean, that's just, it is what it is. <laughs> I mean, there's really nothing, yeah. there's nothing to say past that. It just, it, it's what we've, what we've kind of had to be accustomed to this season. There are times, man, where, you know, during, throughout the season, I've watched the Tigers play and I'm, and even from the sideline or even from the baseline when I'm on, you know, at home games and I'm able to take pictures and things like that. I'll notice the fact that the Tigers don't seem to be running much. Um, and I know that a lot of that has changed um, the second half of this season. I think Penny realized that he needed to kind of rein in 
some of the creativity and 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 just basically tell okay guys you're running this right now you know and and I think I'll, I'll be honest with you man the Tigers run decent stuff it's not mind blowing it's not revolutionary um, you know they're I think their goal is to get the ball into the hands of their best players um, in the in the places where they can shoot um, high quality shots. Um, but it's just, it's unbelievable sometimes, man. Cause like in that Houston game, I'm, I'm watching and I'm going, wow, they're running really nice stuff. And then against SMU, it was just, it, it felt like the things that they were doing in the Houston game just did not, um, did not transfer over to the SMU game. They were running the same things, but I don't know if it was an attention to detail or just feeling lackadaisical. I don't, I don't, maybe it was because it was a road game. I don't, I don't know, but it, it definitely, from the beginning of the season, Christian, I think the narrative has been, you know, these guys are young and obviously they're young. They're the youngest team in, in division one basketball. Um, I think at one point after a loss, um, you know, I told you, you know, privately, I was like, they, this excuse of them being young has to stop at some point. Um, but it, it rears its ugly head every once in a while. Um, and so it, it, showed out really well. The atmosphere for the Houston game was incredible, but then it rears its ugly head on the road, right? Where that, that youth comes into play and it feels like, um, you know, one of the things about basketball that's so unique is, is the ability to run a set and then kind of know if it breaks down having a, a point guard or somebody on the court that can, that can absolutely get something else. The second option, whatever it may be, um, after the first option breaks down. And I think youth plays a large part of not being able to get that second option. Um, if, the, if the first option breaks down, a lot of times you'll see kind of pull the ball back out and just try to break down one-on-one and, and, and get a, uh, you know, a layup at the basket. And, and unfortunately, um, the Tigers don't have a guard right now that's finishing at the rim consistently. Um, you know, I know Brooks last week mentioned Rajon Tucker and how he would have been that guy for the Tigers, if he had actually, you know, kept his commitment and stayed with the Tigers. But, you know, the the main point guards, the main shooting guards, the main backcourt for the Tigers right now don't have a guy that can effectively get to the basket um, on a consistent basis and make shots. Um, but I do think there are some things that we can look at positively. Um, you know, I look at I look at a few things like, you know, you think about next year, right? You know, I, I wouldn't say this is a lost year. The Tigers absolutely have the opportunity to get to the NCAA tournament if they win out and and get to the the uh, almost said Conference USA. I'm dating myself here, guys. Um, the AAC championship and win it, they can get to the the, the tournament. But um, when we think about um, you know things to look forward to, I think we can look forward to the, to some growth next year and. Um, real quick, Christian, what are some things that, that you say, man, you know, what are some things that you've seen over the last couple of games that you can say Tiger fans can walk into th- this next season, um, the end of this year, into next season and go, okay, we can be hopeful about this? Well, the, the biggest thing to me is experience uh, because when you look at the roster, it, it's been well noted that they, as you mentioned, are the youngest team in Division One. So they will have more experience next year. There'll be a lot of sophomores that played a ton of minutes, uh, a lot of guys coming back that will be able to break down the game easier, understand the game better. Uh, the game will slow down for guys like Damian Ball and Boogie Ellis. 
uh, who are, are just freshmen, you know, both kind of playing, both guards, both playing point and shooting guard, still trying to figure things out there. Um, and I think that's that's what I look for is that point guard spot because it's been mentioned, I think, in, in every broadcast that I've heard. Obviously, I only listen to the broadcasts when they're on the road and I can watch it on TV. But basically, everyone points out that they don't have a leader in the backcourt and they don't have a point guard who can go get a bucket or make a play when they need when they need a a big play from the backcourt. And I think that's something that changes next year because we've seen flashes from from both of those guys. And this this isn't to to count out Tyler Harris and Alex Lomax because they've had moments too. But the two guys you really have to look at are Damian Ball and and Boogie Ellis. We've seen flashes from both of them. Uh, before Tuesday's Tuesday night's game against SMU, Damian Ball had had two very good games in a row against East Carolina and Houston. Uh, looked like a different player. Kind of took a little bit of a step back. Didn't look as good um, on Tuesday night. But you can see the flashes there. You can see him running the floor. You can see his on-ball defense. Even though he didn't play great against SMU, his on-ball defense is very, very impressive. And with Boogie Ellis, I think the longer that he has the ball in his hands and the more that he plays that point guard position – the better he gets, and I, I've I've been beating this drum uh, for over a year now that he can play point guard and he can do it effectively. And I think the more opportunity and more run that he gets at that, the better he'll be. So there's there's plenty of positive things to look look at next season. But uh, going back to that, I got one. I got, got one. I got one real quick. Um, because I, I completely agree with you about Damian, number one. Um, I think Damian, obviously, Boogie's had a kind of a longer um, this this last half of the season. He's been playing incredibly well. Once the ball got into his hands, he's been playing incredibly well. Uh, you know, Damian, the last three games, I, I I texted I think in our private in our group text that we have during the game yesterday that the game is absolutely slowing down for Damian, and um, he is making plays and making passes that he wasn't seeing at the beginning of the year um Damian is a Damian is a good player and he sees things that that um a lot of people don't see and um you know I, I think obviously his jumper needs a lot of work in the summertime it's probably going to be one of the main things that he works on um but the main thing that I saw at the at the end of the year these last three games is um two things really the game slowing down for him um, and you see that in the way that he's able to, uh, you know, his assist numbers have, have increased um, over the last three games. And then secondly, he's defending without fouling. Um, and, and that's a big deal. At the beginning of the year, he was getting, I mean, it was becoming a common theme where the first two minutes of the game, he'd have at least a reach-in foul at the half-court line, picking up somebody, picking up the point guard at, the begin- at, at, the, at half-court at the beginning of the game. Um, he hasn't been doing that a lot lately. Um, he's been playing defense without fouling, getting his hands up instead of out and, and, and like hand checking on somebody. So that, that to me is an experience thing. That to me is the game slowing down for him. The second thing that I would say is, um, I think Malcolm's been a welcome surprise. Um, Malcolm's up and down, obviously still rehabbing from his knee injury, still coming back, trying to get his legs right. Still a freshman, still an 18 year old freshman, um, but man, Malcolm, there are some flashes where I'm like, damn, this dude can play some ball. And, and he does things that I think 
are going to be extremely beneficial for the Tigers over the next however many years he stays here, whether it's three, four, you know, whatever. But for instance, I'll give you when the Tigers when a when a team plays zone defense against the Tigers in, in most of the zones that you see in in college basketball, the weak spot of that zone is going to be in the middle at the free throw line down into the paint. And if you can get the ball to that paint area, then 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 you can do damage. You get it past that first line of defense at the top of the three-point line, and then it's kind of you've got the court wide open both light, left and right side of the court, and you've got, an, you've got opportunities there. What I've seen with Malcolm that is super impressive is his ability to um, make those skip passes. Um, I don't want to get too technical, but the easiest pass in the world to defend is one that goes from – point a to point b um with a person like right like to the person right next to you like your teammate is right next to you and you pass him the ball one guy can defend that pass um but you hear coaches talk all the time about how skip passes are super super beneficial in terms of breaking zones down and 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 causing the defense to have to react instead of just being able to guard the ball with one person and malcolm is really good at getting those skip passes to the corner. Um, and and there's I don't think there's another big man on the team that can do that like he can. And and so I've seen things in his game that make me go, number one, he's a live body. He can run. He's got a quick jump. It's only going to get better as he gets more healthy. Um, and he sees the, the court um, really well for a big man. And so I'm, I'm excited for Damian. I'm excited for Malcolm. I'm excited for their growth. I think they're going to be – special players um, for the Tigers over the next couple of years. Absolutely. Well, Kenny, we are going to take a break for a minute. We're going to hear from our sponsors. And on the other side, we're going to continue moving on into the future. We'll move on to Precious and Precious Achiwa and James Wiseman's draft stock. I spoke with uh, 247 Sports Director of Basketball Recruiting, Evan Daniels, who released a big board earlier this week on his top 30 draft prospects, which included James Wiseman and Precious Achiwa. So on the other side of the break, we'll talk to him and hear what he has to say about Wiseman and Achiwa. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. 
All right, now joining me is 247 Sports Director of Basketball Recruiting, Evan Daniels. Evan, I appreciate you for joining me, man. How you doing? I'm doing great, buddy. I appreciate you having me on. Uh, absolutely. So if you missed it, Evan Daniels and Josh Gershon, who also works for 247 Sports, released an article yesterday uh, kind of detailing the top 30 guys that they have on their draft big board and talking about those decisions a little bit. Some guys they like, some guys they're worried about and went into depth on that. And they actually included uh, one former Memphis player and one current Memphis player. James Wiseman came in at number two behind Anthony Edwards and freshman forward. Precious Achiba came in at number 16. So, Evan, we're just going to jump into it real quick. Uh, first off, obviously, with James Wiseman. I know a lot of Memphis fans are, are obviously salty about him and his decision to leave back in December. But regardless of how that situation turns out, he will be drafted from the University of Memphis. So it is a good situation for Memphis in a certain sense. So, uh, Evan, like I said, you had him at number two behind Anthony Edwards. What went into putting him as the second player? Uh, honestly, it's it's pretty much where we've had him for the last uh, 18 months or so. Um, you know, we had Anthony Edwards, number one, and James Wise, number two, coming out of uh, the the high school rankings, and um, that's still how we have it. Um, I think that it's very close between those two. I think those two are have separated themselves from the rest of the pack in terms of the NBA draft. And uh, James is a talent, man. He I thought in his three games that he did play at Memphis – um, that he answered some questions, at least for me. And uh, I was really impressed um, with him, not only physically, because he's uh, – and keep in mind, I've been watching him since he was a freshman in high school, so I, I know that he's had this physical makeup. But the size, the length, the athleticism combined with his fluidity, athleticism, ability to rim run um, are all impressive. But I, I, I was um, pleasantly – uh, I don't know if surprised the word, but happy to see him so active on the glass and playing so hard. Uh, in Memphis's three games, um, so I, I, he's a, he's a special talent man, and uh, I, I think he's just physically really gifted and, and rim runs with the best of them. So when we're talking about James, obviously we're going to have to project a lot because as you mentioned, only played three games this season. We didn't get to see him a ton, uh, and then also like you mentioned, everyone's seen this kid play since he was in ninth or tenth grade. I mean, he's been in a national spotlight as far as high school basketball went from the time he was. 15, 16 years old until last year, and then was all in the national media this year, whether it was for his play on the court or for everything that was going on off the court. Um, and you you mentioned him and Anthony being very close, and I think, you, I think you mentioned that last year as well when the rankings came out, when Anthony Edwards reclassified. And like I said, it's going to be a bit projection-based, but do you think James is a player that, that could have been the number one overall pick if he would have played his entire freshman season? Uh, not only that, I mean, he still could be the number one overall pick. I, I think it's going to ultimately come down to positional need. And if the team picking uh, needs to take a, a, a big man, you know, if Golden State's picking, they wouldn't be surprised to, to see them pick uh, James Wiseman. Uh, but if it's a team that's in need of a, an elite perimeter player, I think they would go Anthony Edwards. So um, I don't think it's necessarily contingent on him playing the rest of the season. Could he have uh, made a statement? Um, by continuing to play and, and, and having a really good year, yeah, he probably could have, and, and maybe that could have given him an opportunity to try to solidify the top spot. Uh, but there's still a chance that he goes number one now. So you mentioned all the attributes from James that you've seen throughout watching him. 
and you know obviously looking at him next year as an NBA prospect because I think he's a player that that obviously would have fared well in the college game he showed that in the three games he played was averaging a double double 19 points 10 rebounds uh was was really off to a great start which many people expected him to but when you think about the spacing in the NBA and and the shooting caliber in the NBA I think he's better built for for that league I mean I think like I said he would have been great collegiately I think he's better built for the NBA what do you see for for James at the next level well I think he can one I think he fits uh, what the NBA is looking for in terms of the modern day big man a guy that can rim run and really get up and down the floor Um, a guy with good athleticism that has potential to protect the rim uh, and a guy that can step out on the floor and, and make some shots now the jump shot still needs a little work but I think he has potential to be able to stretch the floor. And that's so key and important for that position nowadays. Um, so I, I think for all those reasons, he fits what the NBA is looking for uh, in that position. So let's move on now to Precious Achiwa. As I mentioned at the top of the show, uh, you had him at number 16 overall. So he's kind of been swimming in that backside of the lottery pretty much all season since since he really started to take off, and that's where most people have him projected. What have you seen from Precious this year, and what has impressed you about his game? Anytime you follow a kid uh, earlier in their high school career all the way through college, um, you pick up on their tendencies and their habits. And, and one thing that Precious Archua always did in high school uh, was play hard and and rebound. And I think both of those things have carried over to his freshman year at Memphis. And uh, he just plays with terrific energy and always competes and, and brings uh, an activity level that you like to see um, from a guy that, that has really impressive physical tools. And he also has carried over his rebounding, which is something that I think translates uh, to all levels. Uh, so I, I, think, I, I, I think those things have been really impressive uh, from here to him during his freshman season. So when you look at you know what he's done this season, he wasn't expected to be the go-to guy. I mean, it was expected to be James Wiseman, and then Precious Achiwa was kind of expected to be his backup in the front court. James was supposed to take center stage and do his thing, and then obviously everyone knew what Precious was capable of. But with James leaving, it's really been the Precious Achiwa show at Memphis. I think he's been Conference Freshman of the Week five times this year, Conference Player of the Week once or twice this season, and he's really had to take on a role that – I don't think he necessarily expected to have to take on. And and honestly, I think it's 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 helped him out because he's been able to showcase everything. He's been able to be the focal point of the team on both ends of the floor. So how much do you think James Levin has helped Precious's stock throughout this season? Well, I think he's from a numerical standpoint on the big board, you know, he's held uh, pretty close to the same number. But I think what it's allowed Precious to do is kind of be the man um, and – uh, I, I think his numbers have probably gone up, especially from a rebounding standpoint. Um, so I think in some ways it's kind of allowed him to be the, the focal point. Um, and in, in some ways you could make a case that it's helped him some. Now I'm sure that Pre- Precious would rather have James there because with James James there, I think they'd probably be winning a couple more games and you know potentially be able to make a run in March. Uh, but in some ways I think it's probably helped him a little. And then when you look at him, he's obviously a very talented player. That's been the case throughout his whole career. 
But there's a reason he's not a, a top five pick. I mean, he has a ton of potential, but there are still things that he has to work on. And it, and it's pretty it's pretty obvious when you when you turn on the film and you watch him the things that he's very strong at, some of the things that you've mentioned, and his weaknesses. So, from your perspective, from watching him throughout his career throughout this season, what are some of the things that that he really has to work on at the next level to be, to become the player that he has the potential to be? Yeah, I think the couple things that stick out to me is while he plays really hard. Uh, he has a tendency offensively uh, to, to to get a little wild in terms of his shot selection and taking tough, contested uh, mid-range pull-ups or three-point jump shots. Um, the, the jump shot still has uh, a lot of room for improvement. His mechanics and stuff aren't broken, uh, but he's going to have to become a lot more consistent before uh, he becomes a, a real threat from distance. So I, I think kind of fine-tuning his shot selection uh, playing within himself, taking the right shots, and then uh, upgrading his his shot and, and becoming a more consistent shooter from all levels uh, will really help him moving forward. So, Evan, before we let you go, I want to look at a couple other players real quick because as, as pretty much everyone knows, this was the number one overall recruiting class. Uh, they've lost some pieces up to this point with the obvious being James Wiseman. DJ Jeffries now out uh, four to six weeks was the timetable. Could be ready in time for the for the conference tournament. Could be done for the season. But when you look at some of these other highly ranked guys, Boogie Ellis being one of them, Lester Quinones being a top 100 guy, DJ Jeffries being a top 100 guy. What have you seen from them in their freshman season? I obviously don't think any of them are ready for the draft as of right now, but what have you seen from them so far this year? Yeah, DJ has certainly had some productive moments, and I, I think where he can really impact the game is with his rebounding. Um, Boogie obviously hasn't shot the ball as well as he did during high school, you know, he really turned himself into a elite shooter in high school, uh, really over the course of the last year in high school. Um, so I was expecting a little more from a shooting standpoint, but you also don't know how these guys are going to adjust to, to the, the new speed of the game, the collegiate level. Uh, and where I think Lester impresses is with his skill level and, and his ability to make shots. That was 247 Sports Director of Basketball Recruiting, Evan Daniels. Evan, again, I thank you for joining me. If you haven't read the article yet from Evan and Josh Garshan, go check that out on the Top 30 Big Board. Evan, I really appreciate it, man. Hey, thanks for having me. All right, Christian, why don't you give us a little recap, your, some of your thoughts on that interview with Evan Daniels, what he had to say. So, you know, obviously, as as we've discussed now, he had James as the number two overall prospect on his big board, Precious as number 16. Uh, I tend to agree with both of those spots. I think Precious is a mid to back lottery guy. James is a, a, a pretty much a lock as a top three pick. So no no discrepancy there for me, no arguments there. Um, and I love a lot of the points that Evan made on the two players. I mean, these are two guys that he's been watching since they were 15, 16 years old. He's seen these dude, dudes play, to, play a lot on film uh, in all-star games, uh, in EYBL games, you name it. Evan's probably seen them play there. And then also watch them this season. So uh, I think he had a great opinion on what they've done. Obviously, James in a in a very small sample size and only three games. Uh, but I think for a guy like Evan who watches a ton of basketball, it didn't take long to be sold on James Wiseman. As he mentioned, he answered a lot of questions in just those three games. Uh, and with Precious, I think a lot of people have been pleasantly surprised. Uh, I think, as Evan mentioned, he knew what to expect to a certain extent, but Precious has really taken over the spotlight and put himself in a good position. So I have no gripes and no discrepancies with what Evan said. I think he made some some really good points, uh, especially projecting them on the next level and what they could be. Uh, but with that said, Kenny, I think that's all we got. 
I appreciate you joining me again for the oft-injured Brooks Hansen. <laughs> uh, anything, anything from you before we get out of here? Brooks Hansen is the Bill Walton of Go Tigers 247 podcast. Always injured, never healthy. Um, and But when he's on the radio, he's gold. Yeah, when he's actually here, when he actually shows up, he's always traveling or sick or it's always something with Brooks. And we got to give him because we love him. Brooks, we love you. All right, Kenny. With that being said, that's a wrap. Thank you for listening to Tigers in 20. If you enjoyed this episode, we would love for you to leave a comment and a rating wherever you download your podcasts. If you are interested in daily content all about the University of Memphis athletic program, please hop over to www.gotigers247.com. Articles are uploaded daily, and you can join the Go Tigers 247 family by signing up for the VIP membership for even more behind-the-scenes information. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.